Hey guys, welcome to episode 84 of the Atlas Podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at Fanbolt.com. And I'm Matt Rodriguez, the Owner-in-Chief Editor of Shakefire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney with Last One to Lead to Theater.com and ATLCW.TV. And I'm I'm back this week. I missed Yay. you guys last week. <laughs> we missed you too. <laughs> I'm sure you really missed Fozzie, the uh, nah. the the background of our podcast. Uh, for for our those mascot. that are, uh, she is our mascot. Um, for those of you that are not familiar with Fozzie, she is my 19 week old golden doodle, and she really loves barking. So um, and you can see her antics on podcast. you can see her antics on Instagram. You can, um, both on my account at Emma Loggins and her very own account, Fozzy the Fan. Um, but she's only on Instagram, so follow her there. Um, all of that being said, I was in Nashville last week. I can't really talk about why, but uh, once I can, I'm going to be hard to shut up about it. So <laughs> until then, um, we had some other really cool stuff that happened this last week, including Mike's birthday. Yay! Yep. Yay! Happy birthday, Mike! Yep. Happy we went, birthday! We went to uh, Gate City and drank some really good beer, and then I don't remember the what's the name of the barbecue place we ate at. Uh, Grand like, Champion Barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. And we went to Grand Champion Barbecue and had some really good barbecue. So it was fun. It was good day. It was a good day. And um, Gate City's new setup that they have um, is really really nice. That was quite a bit different than when we went last year, and it's just it's a really cool place to kind of go and hang out on the weekend and drink some beer. Yeah, we yeah I would say it's a really nice uh, place. They have big giant screen TVs. Um, a lot of times on the weekends they have bands show up and play, um, so it was a lot of fun. And it was it was packed. There was a lot of people there. There was. Um, hi, Fozzie. <laughs> um, so. I also wanted to talk about something pretty cool that happened um, this last week. I am I'm now officially an ambassador for Kia. Um, I'm working on the their newest car, which is kind of their game changer car, the Stinger, which um, if you guys have followed me on social media, you probably saw a few of my posts about it um, last month, uh, no, November, November and December, um, when I went out to, to do some work in California with it. Um, so I have it now. I have it for the next year, which is pretty freaking exciting. Um, and I, I wanted to talk about some of the specs. So when people ask me about it, I can be like, go listen to episode 84 of the Atlas podcast. <laughs> um, nice. But uh, I am in a 2018 Stinger GT2. And it has a uh, V6 engine, um, 3.3 liter twin turbo, 365 horsepower, um, and it's just the, the hottest car like I've ever seen. Like, it's just, it's, you feel, at least if I feel like a different person when I'm driving it, um, because it's one of those cars that, A, because it's such a game changer for Kia and everyone's like, wait, that's a Kia, um, that it gets a lot of attention. So that's kind of cool. Um, but Kia is doing some really cool stuff and I'll be talking about it a bunch this year because, uh, they just debuted a bunch of really cool things they're working on at CES out in Vegas this week. And I've got a couple of posts about that up on Fanbolt if you want to see some of the the really cool technology they're working on um, with autonomous vehicles and um, just making everything more efficient in the uh, the auto industry. Um, you can check that out on Fanbolt and we'll talk about it as, as the year progresses. But for now, I'm a really happy camper in a sports car. Nice, cool. nice. 
Did they? Was there any blackout effect <laughs> in the Kia Stinger <laughs> that they announced? No, no blackout. What's a blackout effect? Oh, that's when I was, it blacked out that at CES. Yeah, that was me yeah. trying to make a joke. I, I failed I, miserably. I don't know if you failed miserably. Miserably, I'm just still in holiday mode, even though it's the like second week of January. <laughs> yeah, two two hours of blackout at a tech convention is kind of a the the biggest <laughs> tech convention of the country is kind of a big big thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when Fozzie is driving me literally insane. Um, all right, sit in my lap, dog. Um, <laughs> but one of the other things we all did, including Fozzie this weekend, is we watched the Golden Globes together, and that was pretty fun. Yeah. Golden yeah. Globes was good. It was a I good was, year. I was surprised it was a good year. Like, I don't usually watch the Golden Globes at all. I really, you know, like, I'll follow along to see the, who the winners were, and, you know, like, I like to catch the, the next day recap. But, right. Um, but, yeah, this was a good year. Yeah, I don't. I don't um, normally pay attention to the Golden Globes at all because it's only eighty-five members are in the foreign press, and that's a really small um, amount to to vote on such major awards. And <clears throat> so I usually just pay attention to some of the other award shows, like the Producers Guild, the Directors Guild, uh, the Writers Guild, and what they give. Um, so, and then also a couple of the uh, the Film Critic Awards. Um, and uh, in fact, um, today, the Georgia Film Critics Association will be handing out their awards, and all three of us are members of that organization. Yeah, we, we voted for, for that um, in the last week, and um, I'm pretty, it was a really tough year for film. I know you guys kind of talked about the best pictures um, last year, but it, or last, last episode, but it's, it was a really really tough year for film like yeah. it, it there's so many films that are deserving of best most best motion picture like it's um it's, it's just a hard call because three billboards outside of albing uh, missouri won for best picture at the golden globes and there were so many other films that that could have won that category especially get out um which yeah. is is what spoiler alert i put on all of my my list are all of my ballots for um for nominations for the Film Critics Association for for Best Picture, but um, there was just so many. There's so many great films last year. Yeah, um, I mean, like Three Billboards was the winner of the night. I mean, they took home um, four of the awards, so that was yeah. kind of surprising. Like, I liked it, um, but it wasn't. You know, I wouldn't like. I had like Shape of Water. Like that was good. that was my that was what I was driving for, right. which I was so happy when Guillermo del Toro won for Best Director. Because honestly, so that, that that was surprising. Like that was I surprising. honestly wasn't expecting him to win that. Because I mean, like like best picture and stuff. Like that's a very stacked category. Yeah. So I also didn't win that. But I also wasn't happy about the fact that like Greta Gerwig wasn't nominated. Um, yeah. That, that's a that was a gross um, uh, miscalculation on on their part. I agree, yeah. and it was wasn't it Anne Hathaway that like no, called out Na that it was Natalie, it was Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. She gave the um, little jab, saying how there were no female directors nominated when there yeah. definitely should be, like Greta Gerwig or Dee Rees for Mudbound. Like they were, they were all they should have been nominated, but they should have been. But by the way, yeah. if you want to see who we picked uh, with the Georgia Film Critics Association, go to GeorgiaFilmCritics.org. 
and it'll be posted on that website. Yep, it will be. And then uh, we'll have the Oscars coming up. And I think this is a pretty good indication of how the Oscars are going to go. Although I'm still betting that Get Out is going to take Best Picture at the Oscar. Oscars. Um, do you, you guys don't think so? Uh, or Shape of Water. Like, I, I feel I like it's... It's it's really hard this year. Like, I don't... I, I want to see Get Out win. Because, like, that was one of the disappointing things about... Um, the Golden Globes is that you know, despite you know a couple nominations, Get Out didn't win anything. Yeah, unfortunately, but um, yeah, I'd love to see it win. Well, you know, we're reviewing a film today that could also be because it is a more traditional film in the post that uh, Spielberg direct, Steven Spielberg directed, and that's a traditional film that the Academy Award like to go for now. What, yeah. what is in favor of Get Out is the fact that they've added a ton of new members in the past three years in order to try to get a more diver- diversified uh, voting um, uh, uh, group. And so that could actually help Get Out uh, because uh, that certainly was not a normal Hollywood big film. But I still think that there's going to be momentum also for the Post, especially with it coming out right now. It's going to be fresh in the mind of the Academy voters, whereas Get Out was what back? How long ago was that? I think it was like February. It's like February last yeah, year. Yeah, so that's a long time for a film to sustain yeah. in people's minds, and also to sustain that feeling that you got after you saw the film. Right. But I mean, it has. I mean, Get Out's been dominating the entire year. Like I haven't. Yeah. I've heard nonstop about Get Out since it came out. So like. I think it's still pretty fresh in people's minds. I think it is, too. And um, I'm assuming, I probably should have mentioned this, It's it was nominated in the, the musical or comedy category and not in the drama category, which I assume it yeah. probably... Pro- I, I, that di- it's not a musical or a comedy. Like, this no, just angers me. Yeah. This is the Martian all over again. Like, <laughs> this is not a musical or a comedy. Like, it's just, there's no yeah. reason it should be in this category. That being said, it probably has it had a better shot in this category than it did in the, the main category, just because there were so many good pictures um, last year yeah. that are more kind of traditional um, award season material. Um yeah, I don't know. It'll we'll be, see. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Like once once the nominations come out, then it will be really really start digging into what's going to happen. So, do we know when that is? When the Oscar nominations happen? I can look that up really quick. Um, twenty eighteen. No, not as easy to find as I thought. Um, <laughs> here's when when they are announced and where to watch them. Um. January twenty fourth. You found that a lot quicker than me. Oh wait, no, that's that was was that last oh, year? That no, it's twenty four no. categories. That yeah, um, that was last year. Well, I can tell you that the awards themselves are on March fourth because it's uh, going to be Winter Olympic month next uh, in in February, so that's going to be dominating the airways. But uh, yeah, oh, January twenty third. In- January twenty third. It shouldn't be that hard to find that online. Um, yeah. I still haven't found it, but cool. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> um, so we'll be covering that. Um, but speaking of movies, let's uh, 
dive into our movie reviews this week since we have three of them. Um, which one do you guys want to start with? You want to start with the post? Sure. We can start right. with the post. Let's do it. So the post is, you know, this big um, ensemble film that basically it's about the Washington Post and their publishing of the Pentagon Papers. And basically it's this two-sided story where uh, Meryl Streep plays Kay Graham, who is the the country's first female newspaper publisher. So she's in charge of the Washington Post, and basically she has to make the decision of whether or not they should publish the uh, the Pentagon Papers and, um, you know, risk this whole government backlash. And it's basically, it's basically, um, you know, this it's with um, Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, so it's got all these big name stars, and um, so yeah, that's the post. And somehow, it is the, faith, the first major film collaboration between uh, Meryl Streep and Steven Spielberg. How is that possible? Um, but that's what I that's what IMBD tells me. That's, it says that's, that, your, that's your fun fact? That's my, my fun fact to start things off with that I don't know if I necessarily believe. I feel like that needs to be fact-checked. And then, well, it's also um, it's another fun fact is the fact that it's uh, Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. First time working together other than an animated film where they weren't really interacting together. I just, I, that's surprising to me. You have like two Hollywood greats and you just assume that they have worked together before. Um, but nonetheless, um, let's jump into to our official Atlas review. Um, were you guys bored at all in this one? Um, I was a little bit. Um, you know, it, it kind of takes a while for it to build momentum at the beginning. You know, it's it's kind of it gets off to a slow start. So I was a little bit bored in the beginning. But um, once it gets going and, you know, once they're, you know, juggling this huge decision, um, it's pretty it's pretty great. So I would give it like a a one one and a half on boredom. Okay. I would give it a a one. Um, I agree. It starts out a little slow, but. Boy, it's fun to watch Streep and uh, Tom Hanks and the rest of the cast. It's one of the best ensembles uh, I've ever seen on film. Cool. Um, so it sounds like you guys probably weren't rolling your eyes too much in this one. No. Um, no, there's not a lot of eye rolling. Um, there's some there's some well-placed comedy. Some jokes that um, that are that are pretty good that maybe have a little bit of eye rolling but um but no i you know it's a it's a really really good movie really good film i mean when you have somebody like meryl streep and tom hanks and um bob odenkirk's in it um sarah paulson's in it allison Bree's in it uh jesse plemons is in it like everybody is in this everybody's in this movie yeah, I, I, right. I, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, there was no eye rolling for me. And since I was alive when this happened um, and uh, took a class in college on Watergate and on the Pentagon Papers and that whole thing, um, it's, it's fairly accurate um, as far as I can, as far as I remember. Um, and so, and, and that's the other thing is that even though um, I knew what the outcome was going to be. It's still a rather exciting film. Um, it's, it certainly uh, moves along at a good pace, and 
uh, other than the fact that it starts out a little slowly. And it's just just the one old cast. I mean, there's, I mean, Carrie Coon is in it. Uh, Bruce Greenwood's in it. Bradley Whitfield's in it. Uh, Tracy Latz. I mean, it's just like a, it's an amazing cast. Yeah, it's, um, well, speaking of that, I'll insert another little fun fact here. Um, this is actually uh, Steven Spielberg's fifth collaboration um, with Tom Hanks, which breaks his tie that um, Steven Spielberg and Harrison Ford had together for um actor and director most times in a film together for, for Steven Spielberg. Um, Ford has also direct, has also been directed uh, in five films by Spielberg, um, but his scene from E.T., the extraterrestrial, was cut from the final film. I did not know that. Harrison Ford was supposed to be in E.T. Is this, huh. is this real? I didn't know that either. I'm going to fact check that because that <laughs> seems... I feel like IMED is lying to me today, so I'm going to do a little of research on that while you guys um, talk about who, uh, who you liked best in this. Is it... Who, who was better? Uh, Strape or, <laughs> or Hanks? Because it has to be one of them. It was... It was... Bob Odenkirk. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, <laughs> Better I'm, giving it to, I'm giving it to Tom Hanks, honestly. Um, even though I liked Streep's character more, I thought Hanks gave a better performance. Um, both are great. Both are phenomenal. I mean, like, this is Streep and H- Hanks we're talking about here, so, like, you're not going to get a bad performance out of them. But I'm giving Hanks the edge. Well, you know what I'm going to say? <laughs> another 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 box no an, another Oscar caliber performance by Meryl Streep yeah another box quote for you that's right exactly <laughs> um, I just gonna do that with all of her films I love it yeah they're both I mean they're both so good in this film I mean there's and they're, they're before you even ask us there's not a bad performance in this film there really isn't um, yeah. but Streep, Streep I thought because I felt it was some it was a more difficult role um, because a lot of times she's the only woman in the the room, and you know she's got a very this uh, this person Kay Graham had a very uh, well she was she had just taken over from her late husband, um, and so she's struggling to basically find her way, and this is the biggest decision she's ever made. And by the way. The Washington Post at that time was a was a privately held a paper, so it didn't have the resources that it has now, and this is this put them on the map. Um, this this actually put them on the map and it actually set them up for the better reporters they got with um, with the, when they did the Watergate investigation. So I, I go for Meryl Streep in this film. Cool. Um, well, just as um, following up on my, my previous fun fact, yes, Harrison Ford was actually <laughs> in E.T., but his cameo was deleted. Um, hmm. yeah, I wonder um, if, like, is, that, is there footage of that anywhere? Um, like, there's some deleted act- scenes. I imagine they actually, did they actually film it? They did actually film oh, it. I'm going to, in the, yeah, uh, that's, that's crazy. In the post for um, this, I'm going to link to this article, and we can talk about it a little bit next next week once I have time to, to watch the videos and we all happen to know what's up. Um, <laughs> this is such a... I mean, it's kind of related. It's on the fun fact page, um, but I just... I'm learning all yeah. of these things today that I didn't know about people, like Billy Bobby Brown is death in one ear. I didn't know that either. Um, 
But I got a fun it, fact about the post. Go. That, go for um, it. Michael Strulberg is having an amazing year. Because <laughs> he's in the post, <laughs> and then he's in three movies this year. The Post, The Shape of Water, and Call Me By Your Name. So, like... Yep. Like, all of these are Oscar-caliber films. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets nominated once or even twice for both Shape of Water and Call Me By Your Name for supporting actor. It's like... This dude is just absolutely destroying this year. Yeah, he made some good choices. Yeah. Um, Well, cool. Uh, Obviously, no Atlanta recognition factor here because this was not uh, filmed in Atlanta. But uh, on the overall Atlas scale, what what do you guys rank this one? I mean, it's it's got to be fairly high because it's one of our award season films. Yeah, Um, I'm giving it a four five four point five. You know, it's it's a great film. You know, I feel it does. It's basically trying to do um, what Spotlight was to, you know, the whole Catholic Church abuse scandal. This is basically the spotlight of the Pentagon Papers. I would give it a five. I thought it was a great film um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, And I love watching all these great actors uh, perform together. That was um, actually what what Matt mentioned. So the, where is it? The screenwriter for this, uh, Josh Singer. This is his third film exploring the importance of journalism and uncovering political scandal. So he was actually behind The Fifth Estate, which came out in uh, 2013, and Spotlight, which came out in 2015. So pretty cool stuff. And he's writing uh, First Man. Oh, is he? Which is coming out. Yeah, he's uh, one of the writers on First Man, which is Damien Chazelle's upcoming movie you know he did la la land and stuff so um that's, that's the one that's, filming here it's filming right? here yeah filming has here about the uh, neil armstrong man on the moon has it so. started filming yet do we know yeah it's it's yeah it's been filming for a couple months now oh um, okay yeah i should look that um, up they're too. they're actually going to florida this week i believe um to film at the space center cool because yeah, um, you know, really... I've been I've been following the casting and stuff for that. Because I had... I wanted to work on that movie, but that was back when I was doing like I was I was still on Walking Dead, and you know it's a period piece, so the man <laughs> bun you can't really rock the man <laughs> bun in um in the in the 60s. No, they didn't. They had hipsters in the so. 60s. You were just ahead of your time. Yeah, not, <laughs> um, not in the movie, I guess. And not at NASA. So. Uh, yeah. Not at NASA. Yeah, I bet, a lot of, I bet you there's the some man buns now. Like really clean cut. <laughs> Fair enough. Soldier, yeah. Um, well, let's uh, move right along. Let's go to um, Paddington 2. Uh, Mike, you want to introduce that one? Sure. So this is a sequel to Paddington, and Paddington, which is a little bear, he's happily living with uh, the Brown family, and uh, he picks up a series of odd jobs around the neighborhood to buy the perfect present for his Aunt Lucy. Uh, and oh. it's going to be her 100th birthday party. And um, he finds the perfect gift, which is a pop-up book. Um, and unfortunately, he is um, basically catches the thief, who we learn is uh, Hugh Grant's character. Um, but... Poor Paddington uh, basically is accused of stealing the book and then is thrown in jail. 
and that's where I'll leave it there. But um, so that's the story. Um, so on a uh, on our our Atlas scale, were you guys bored at all during this one, or it looks pretty cute? Zero, I didn't absolutely see it, so. no boredom whatsoever for me. Yeah, no, it's really yeah, no, no. It's this is it's, this is an amazing film. It's actually it's one of those few times where the sequel is better than the first film, and I love the first film. Cool. Um, same page, Matt. Yeah, no, I wasn't bored at all. It's just. It's one of those really just heartwarming films, and it's mostly because of Paddington, because, you know, he is just such a lovable character, and, like, you can't just help but fall in love with every little thing he does, like, even when he goes to prison, because he's surrounded by all these, you know, hardened criminals, and then there's just this innocent Paddington there, who, you know, he always (laughs) sees the good in everybody. He's like Fozzie. Aww. Really, I wish Fozzie would get a job. That'd be that would be great. But right now, I'm just... playing fetch with her <laughs> while doing the podcast. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's it's just it's just wonderful. It feels like this should have been a Christmas movie. Like, is there? It, it doesn't feel like a January movie to me. Would you I guys mean, say that's was... fair? It did open. Yeah. It did open in great in uh, in uh, the UK um, in December. Yeah. Okay. So, because we started hearing about how wonderful it was from the British critics, and they, the you know, the BAFTA is is nominated Hugh Grant for for an award. That's oh wow! British, that's okay. British, basically, the British Academy Awards. Right. Right. Which, which honestly, is a bit of a stretch. <laughs> it is. I mean, he's he's a lot of fun. He, he, yeah. He's a lot of fun in this film. Um, uh, everybody's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean everybody is, um, and it's got it. It's just another really good cast. I mean, yeah, um, Sally Hawkins is in it. Sally Hawkins is in it. Jim Broadbent, uh, Tom Cotty, um, and of course Hugh Grant. Um, I mean, so it's a it's a fun film. Oh, Peter Capaldi is also in it. So, um, no Doctor Who, yeah. yeah, Doctor Who love there. Yep. So um, it's um, it's really a lot of it's you- it's so much fun. Were you guys rolling your eyes at all? I mean, it sounds like you you no. pretty much loved this one. No, it, no, it's, it's, no it's pretty charm. It's just charming. Yeah, it's just yeah. Like Mike said, it's a lot of fun. You know, you're not rolling your eyes at anything. This is one of the few kid kid movies that adults are going to just fall in love with, and you're not going to be bored at all. It's it's got a wonderful storyline. Um, the CGI uh, Paddington is amazing. They do some very extreme close-ups on him, and the CGI is so good, and that, that also helps with the film because it gives them a lot of facial expressions and lots of, of way, another way to show his emotion and show what he's feeling at the time. Well, I would assume that with Hugh Grant being nominated for a BAFTA, you guys are going to tell me that his performance was the best. Is that accurate? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually I'm giving it to uh, Brendan Gleeson. He plays one of the inmates whose name is Knuckles, and he's the basically the cook prison, and he basically takes Paddington under his wing, and because Paddington p- teaches him how to make marmalade, and basically he falls in love with it, and I just <laughs> I loved Gleason's performance in this. He was my favorite because you know he's this big, burly, tough as nails prison cook. Who base who Paddington changes his heart? Oh, basically, and 
it's just great. I'm going to give it to Ben Wishaw, who's the voice of Paddington. Uh, without him, this movie doesn't succeed. He does such a great job uh, portraying Paddington and giving him that um, air of seeing everybody in a good light. Um, but I think it's I think think it's the guy that actually does the voice of of, uh, of Paddington. Well, obviously, um, no Atlanta recognition factor here either. Um, so on our official Atlas scale, where would you guys rank this one? Well, I'm going to give it a five. I'd give it. Go ahead, Matt. I'm giving it a five. You know, like this is the first good film of 2018. The first truly good film of of the year and it's and it's a really good film like you know i know we always say like oh january is where you release you know films to die and blah 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 but mm, every once in a while we get a great film and paddington 2 is one of those great films i totally agree i'd give it a five it's just it's a wonderful film it'll make you feel good about yourself and about the human race um and it's just it's such an uplifting film um it, I will. I will. For appearance, there is a very scary scene near the end of the film, but everything, of course, turns out great. Um, and I'm, I'm. I hope they make another one very soon. In fact, let's do another one next January, just to, to, you know, get over the the holiday blues and go see this film. It's so much fun. Awesome. Um, well, I'm looking at the fun facts for this film, and I really don't feel like any of them are actually fun. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know when IMBD, most of the their movie, stuff just... The movie itself is yeah. fun. Yeah, now, the, the interesting thing is um, Michael Bond, who wrote all the Patterson Bear books, he just recently died at age 90, but he was heavily involved... That's, at, that's not a fun fact, No, but, but here's, yeah. here's That's where, a sad fact. No, but here's... He was heavily involved in um, both films. Um... So, uh, you know, it had his touch. I mean, he's, I think, I can't remember how many books he's, how many books he's written, but I, I know he's sold over 35 million books. Um, so it's a, a beloved tale, and this, this you know, uh, levels to, is at a level that, that he would, you know, would, would love. This is such a good movie. Hmm. Well, um, there were more than 35 million copies of uh, Paddington sold throughout uh, Michael Bond's career, so that's pretty cool. Um, that's a happier fact. I want to end on a happy, like, fun fact. <laughs> um, yes. But uh, moving right along, we have another film coming out this week. I don't know if it would be... I, I feel like Liam Neeson movies normally come out in January. Didn't, like, Taken, all of them come out in January? <laughs> I don't know when they came out, but it feels I mean, like a Liam it's, Neeson it's, it's, month. It's Liam Neeson. We yeah. should just rename January to Liam Neeson month. It's, I feel like Re you regardless should, regardless of when his films have come out, you can just name it. But yes, we have another Liam Neeson film. Um, even though he had announced, like, "Oh, I'm quitting action movies," he's back with another action movie, The Commuter. Um, this time around, he plays an ins ins insurance salesman who is basically laid off from his job. Um, he takes the train to and from work every day. And on his final day, he's leaving work. Um, this stranger approaches him, played by Vera Farming 
Farming Farmiga. Farmiga, yeah. And she offers him a hundred thousand dollars to identify to find this person on this train because you know he's here's this guy who's taking this train every day um so he knows the people he knows the usual you know all the the daily commuters and so she picks him to identify this person like he she doesn't give him any many clues to go on she's like there's somebody on this train who doesn't belong here I'm going to offer you $100,000 to find that person. And so basically from there, things go out of control where there's like this cover-up and conspiracy and it turns into a straight-up, you know, Liam Neeson action movie. I feel like this is Taken 4. Is it Taken 4? I mean, nobody's (laughs) nobody's been taken... It's him trying to find somebody. But I, I feel like all of his movies like this are the same I mean, though. Like granted, they it, do <laughs> they do threaten threaten his family. He has a uh, a wife and a son that they threaten if he doesn't comply and find this person. The, dif- the difference so. the difference in this movie and the Taken movies is, is this is a mystery that he has to solve. Okay. And um, he keeps on trying to figure out who this person is that he's got to find and all he knows is that this person is not a normal commuter and that um, they're going to get off at a certain stop and that's all the information and he's and he, he's been given the a name uh, for this person and a code name yeah yeah and it's a it's it's a weird kind of name but it's this is some this is not just an action film it's also a mystery because you're working alongside him to try to figure out who the person is. And then there's, right. couple, there's a couple well, other twists and turns, of course, uh, in this film, because it is also a conspiracy movie. Were you guys bored at all, or were you pretty pretty in it to win it with Liam? I was in it to win it more so than usual. Um, this is actually a surprisingly good Liam Neeson movie. You know, his last couple of ones have been kind of iffy and on the fence, but this one is this one's actually pretty entertaining. Um, I'd give it a two on boredom. Yeah, I'd give it a two. Um, it does. Good. I was gonna say like it kind of loses me towards the end. You know, it becomes the generic Liam Neeson saves the day kind of thing. But the the beginning of it is really good and really interesting. Like Mike said, you know, there's this mystery to it and figuring it all out. And it's all it all takes place on the train. And so just him trying to go back and forth. It's a lot like Murder on the Orient Express, except it's more action oriented. Yeah, there, he, he gets into probably four, maybe even five close quarters fights. Um and uh, so there's a, there's quite a bit of action to it, and there's there's a lot of action also with the train itself. Um, so, well, Fozzie apparently Fozzie agrees. agrees. So, Fozzie's not even in the room. I have no idea what she's barking at, but uh, I don't know. But uh, like, and another thing off that, what Mike said, like it's actually good action. Like Neeson's pushing sixty five years old. Like he's getting up there. Like. I was thinking, like, okay, there's, like, you know, it's going to be a lot of stunt double stuff. It's going to be a lot of these quick, you know, Jason Bourne kind of action sequences. But, no, like, there was this one pretty amazing, like, it's it's shot as a one-shot. 
but you know i know there's some editing tricks that they throw in there but like it was really impressive like what they did with this i was surprised yeah especially because it is because all the fights are on the train so um it's a lot of close quarters fighting um in fact there's even one fight that's between the trains so it's even a smaller area Cool. Um, well, I'm going to insert one of my fun facts here, um, which I feel like is really not related to the movie at all, but um, IMBD does, so I'm going to share it with you all. Um, Liam Neeson and Sam Neill were actually both contenders for the role of James Bond in 1995's GoldenEye, which, of course, ended up going to Pierce Brosnan. I, I feel like I could have totally have seen like a younger Liam Neeson as James Bond. Like, I, I, I can see, see that. I could see a today's Liam Neeson as James Bond. That's true. It's he's it's kind of the same feel as Daniel Craig. Like, I could, yeah. I could see it. Like, Sam Neill, maybe a younger well, Sam yeah, Neill. Well, yeah, he'd be more like Pierce Brosnan. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. what, that's what Sam Neill's parts were, all, were the parts that Pierce Brosnan was either not getting, you know, or they were up for the same thing for a lot of stuff because they're very similar in style. Um I think that Sam Neill is a better actor than Pierce Brosnan now. Um, he's done some really good indie work. Um, so I think he's a much better actor than than uh, than uh, Pierce Brosnan. Um, but he, that's the type of roles he was playing back, back then. Fair enough. Um, all right. So moving right along, uh, were you guys rolling your eyes at all in this one? or? Yeah. There's some... Yeah. There's, There's some. some cheesy eye rolling. Yeah, I mean, come on, it's it's a Liam Neeson movie. <laughs> it wouldn't be <laughs> it wouldn't be a Liam Neeson movie without a little bit of eye rolling. So, yeah, there was there was a little bit just because of how how the story flo- flows and unfolds. You're just like, really? That's kind of what you're going with? Like, okay, it was it was pretty generic and pretty you know you know um, conspiracy theory. I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is, but it kind of flows like that. So, yeah, and it, it also it leaves you a couple of clues because um, you very early meet Patrick Wilson and you meet Sam Neill, um, who were are he, he, Liam Neeson is a former police officer uh, that quit the business um, basically for his family, but uh, we meet both these police officers and they become involved in the story, and both those guys. Are big enough that you know they're gonna they're gonna show up again in the film. That they're not you know they're not just throwaway characters because those are fairly big stars. Um, so. Uh, so as far as performances that stood out or um, stood out in a not good way to you, um, what was the the best and worst part of this film in regards to acting? I mean, it's definitely gonna be Liam Neeson for me, at least. <laughs> I mean, he's. He's the heart and soul of this movie. And, you know, sure, maybe there are other people who could have done it. But, I mean, like, you're going to see The Commuter because it's a Liam Neeson movie. Like, we've been saying throughout this entire review, like, oh, this is a Liam Neeson action movie. Like, this is this is his bread and butter. This is what he does best, I think. So, yeah, I'm giving it to Liam Neeson. Yeah, I would, too, just because he carries the film. Um, but it's got a good cast. I mean, I, I always like seeing uh, Vera Farmiga. Uh, on the screen, uh, she always does a good job. Uh, Jonathan Banks is in it. Uh, Elizabeth McGovern, um, and of course, then we mentioned Sam Neill and, and Patrick Wilson. 
Um, so it's got a, it's got a, it's a little different than like Taken, where you've got more of a mainstream cast, um, and I think that that helps a lot too. See, I was disappointed by Farminga and her performance because I didn't think there was anything to it. First, I was like, oh my god, this is Kristen Wiig in this movie. But um, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> I mean, Unless it's looks, Bridesmaids, and then it's fantastic. <laughs> she looked exactly like Kristen Wiig in this movie. I I think it was just like her hairstyle or whatever. But I was like, this is Kristen Wiig. But um, I felt. I mean, most of her performance is through the phone, like she's there at the beginning and the end kind of thing, in person. But so like most of her performance is her talking to Neeson through the phone. So like there's not really much there to work on for her but I mean I didn't think it was anything her, she was anything special in this well uh, fun fact for you guys this was the second film to feature Vera and an accident or excuse me incident on a commuter train the other one being 2011's source code so this is kind of her thing that's what I'm taking I away like, from that <laughs> I like source code I like source code too um, I think I we had, didn't we do a press event for that did we? I, I feel I like we did. It might have, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, oh. Well, I'm glad that it really stuck out and we really remember it. Um, well, you could also do planes, trains, and automobiles because she's in uh, um, uh, uh, up in the air. Oh yeah, she uh, was. Oh no, we did for Source Code. We interviewed the director, Duncan Jones. Oh yeah, that was for Source. That was for source code. That was for oh, yeah, yeah, source code. That. Yeah, I forgot about that yep. too. Um, cuz that was right. a pretty big deal because he directed Moon and Moon was freaking amazing. Moon was made. Okay. Oh, I got another. This isn't a fun fact. This is a speaking of Duncan Jones. Last week I had mentioned um Mute was one of my upcoming 2018 most anticipated films. And I had mentioned, like, oh, it didn't have a release date on Netflix or whatever. But it was supposed to come out at some point in 2018. Well, just the other day, uh, Duncan Jones, who's directing it, he he replied to a fan on Twitter saying that it's supposed to come out next month. So... Oh, that's soon. Noth- yeah, that's really <laughs> soon. So nothing, it, nothing official has been announced. Like, we haven't even had a trailer for the film yet. But, I mean, Netflix often, you know, will put out something pretty much without a moment's notice that's yeah. that's how they work they Unfortunately, just drop. sometimes they'll just drop a new movie or tv series but um so yeah that should be coming out next month so i'm looking forward to that everybody else should be looking forward to it i am and i'm looking he's, at he's, the he's I'm... calling it the spiritual successor to moon so wow no. well that's a. Uh... That's pretty uh, so, yeah, high talk, so... <laughs> exactly, so... A, uh, a lot to live up to with that. Um, looking that at this true. cast list, I'm, like, going on a tangent in my mind, but I don't want to take us too far down uh, this track. Um, so I'll, I'll save it for, for another second, because I see Justin throw in here, which makes me want to, yeah. like, talk about something to do with leftovers, but we'll do that later. Um uh, wh- where are we? Uh, um, <laughs> <I guess, laughs> Atlanta recognition factor, um, not there because there this uh, this filmed in um, England and also in California and New York. So no um, Atlanta happening in this one. Uh, so overall, on the official Atlas scale, what would you guys rate the commuter? I'm I'm gonna give it a three three point five. 
you know, it's it's a solid action film. Um, you know, the story's decent. Liam Neeson is great in it. You know, if you if you if you're looking to see a good action movie, like go see The Commuter. I'll give it a three. I was pl- um, I, I, I agree it's a good action film, and if you like Liam Neeson, if you're a fan of him, you should go see this one because it's a, it's better than a lot of the stuff he's done before. Cool. Um, well, I think all of those are out this Friday, correct? Is that yep. that accurate? Um, the Post, of course, was out in limited release uh, back last year, which made it a contender for award season. Um, but now all of these will be out in Atlanta in our in ATL. Um, just as a side note here, because I feel like I have to bring this up. Um, I don't know if either of you have have seen this photo, but. Um, Justin Theroux, of course, was in a series that I was obsessed with called The Leftovers, in which the, um, now I'm trying to find the name of the kid, um, his son in The Leftovers just recently got engaged to Paris Hilton. Um, Oh, that's his son? Wait. Yeah, well, his son in the show. The son, okay. The son in The Leftovers. I remember hearing about Paris Hilton getting engaged. It's, okay. It's, um... Everyone should look at a picture of this engagement ring because it is the most hideous, like, extravagant ring ever. Like, it, yeah, it looks like I've... something that, like, Kanye would give Ken. <laughs> but, it's, um, it's, but it's also, like, now I feel like the fact that he was able to afford a ring like this makes me feel like this is the entire reason that The Leftovers was canceled. <laughs> so yeah. I'm blaming it now on Paris Hilton because I've seen, clearly I've the seen budget. The, the ring. <laughs> Because, yeah, that thing is massive. Like, it's like brass knuckles almost. It is. It's like a weapon. Um, anyways, that came across my feed last week, and I was like, who is this kid? And I was like, oh, my God, this is the kid from The Leftovers. Um, <laughs> which I'm still grieving the loss of that show because it was such a fantastic series. Um, anyways, <laughs> I'm sure celebrity gossip for the week. Um, <laughs> I think that's uh, that's pretty much it for this week. Uh, we have a lot of stuff happening next week, which I'm pretty stoked about. Um, we are going to an Irish whiskey experience, all three of us, um, next Wednesday. So we'll be talking about that on our next podcast. And, um, of course, we have Project Cosplay next Thursday here in Atlanta, um, 9 p.m. at Joystick Game Bar. And I haven't really I've been like avoiding confirming the details on this because we made like this pact last January that it was going to be like judges month, which means Matt and I would be up against each other again. Um, Yeah. And I I got to redeem myself. I lost to you (laughs) last year. So I I had a win. I had a brilliant like thing last year with my my under the sea. Yeah. I think yours was like the first because JLP always does the transformation costumes, which are amazing. But I think yeah. yours was like the first official like transformation costume. Because like was, yours uh, with the whole unveiling of the cape that was the under the sea, it was just like, oh my god, I can't compete with this. It was uh, well for for our listeners that that didn't get a chance to to go to this last year. Um, basically, we have a theme every month, and last January it was Underworld because Underworld had uh, the, the latest one had just come out, and so I did Under the Sea because it's a type of Underworld. So I had like this whole like mermaid tail made up, and then there was this cape that was over it that when you opened it up, there was like a little starfish on it, and then it was Under the Sea, and no one like 
no one knew what I was going to do. And everyone was like, oh, my God, this is really bad. And then then it was just this moment of, oh, my God, that was amazing. Um, but I have nothing like that for this month. <laughs> so it's well, um, yeah. in our, we're on our, equal terms then because I got nothing either. So, OK, it's so it's going to be scary. So speaking of nothing, <laughs> uh, we, we didn't talk about the box office weekend box office because there was a major yeah. shift in uh, in the box office this last weekend. That, Just like there's a major shift in where we do it in our podcast. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so Jumanji so came in number one at the box office, and Star Wars dropped from one to three, um, going quite quite a bit down, um, even though it's still in over 4,000 theaters. But Jumanji is just killing it. It did $37 million last weekend, and it's done $245 million in three weeks. So it's that's a, a big deal, with and then with Star Wars going down to only twenty three million dollars, getting beat by also the Insidious, um, that's a right. pretty big deal also. Although it's 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 done rather well at five hundred seventy two million. Um, yeah, and, it's done. It's done all right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's so horrible. Such a horrible. <laughs> yeah, there, and there's a there's a couple of smaller films um, that are doing really really well. Uh, Lady Bird. Um, did 1.5 million, but it was only in 500 theaters, and it's done 34 million, um, which is a really good number for that movie. Uh, so, uh, and then also uh, Molly's Game, uh, they added a ton of screens, but it didn't do that well. It did. It came in at number seven, um, at 6.8 million dollars. So, um, it's going to be. It'll be interesting to see if Jumanji still has the, the, the. The stuff for this weekend, which I think it will. I think Jumanji is one of these films that people are going to see uh, more than once, um, and I think it'll be number one again, um, probably doing between thirty-two and thirty-five million. Um, you know, and then we've got That's... a bunch of new films with The Post, uh, Paddington Two, Proud Mary, um, and The Commuter. Um, I don't see any of them being anywhere close to Jumanji. I I, I predict that The Post was going to do probably 20 and Pettington 2 should have a very strong weekend uh, because there's not a kids movie out there right now that uh, you know their Coco's still out there but most people have already seen it um, so, right and I, I proud Mary they did not screen it for critics they're not even doing um, um, they're not even doing they're doing midnight screenings so the critics can't see it um, you know so the, a lot of critics will be going to see it tomorrow morning but um, I don't think that's going to be very good for the box office. Um, who knows about the commuter? Commuter could could get hot and you know do like seventeen or eighteen, but I think it's going to be more in the thirteen to fourteen range. Uh, it is interesting with Jumanji um, popping up that much, although it was added to a handful more theaters, not really that many more. Um, Thirty six new theaters um last week but that's really high that is, that's highly unusual for a movie that's been out three weeks that wasn't at number three one weeks. and then to take number one and it was it only was down nine percent from the weekend before which you know um so that's and that was the big you know that was the big christmas weekend so um and it's done it's done all right overall it's uh total gross has been 245 million and its uh production budget was 90 million so it's definitely been a success for the studios for sony yep yeah um 
Well, cool. Sorry, I completely forgot about that. I'm going to blame that on this being my first pod- podcast of 2018. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll be more with it. Start there, Emma. I know. I just I'm just a mess over here. Um, but uh, but yes, we will be talking whiskey next week. We'll have Project Cosplay next Thursday night. Um, I'm headed to Portland this weekend for uh, Walker Stalker Con Fan Fest. Um, so hopefully I'll have some cool stuff to talk about from that. Um, we're also going to be reviewing Black uh, Black Lightning next next week, which is the new series on CW that also films here in Georgia. Um, and we, we all watched it uh, together last week. And I don't, I don't even know if I'm under embargo, so I don't know if I should say, should, should or should not say anything. But, uh, I don't think I'll just so, because reviews have already come out for it. So. Have they? Okay. Yeah, well, I've seen well, them online. Spoiler alert. I think we all pretty much it's liked pretty it. It's pretty great. But uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty good. And it premieres, I think it's the 16th. Is that right? 16th. Yeah. The 16th. Yep. yeah. Um, so we'll talk about that a little bit more next week and, and dive into it. And in fact, um, you, we'll can, also be, you can go to the ATLCW.TV website, and I have an interview with the star of the show, uh, Cress Williams. Um, and I've also got an interview with the two creators of the show. And that show in Black Lightning is being shot here in Atlanta. Um, and they wanted it to be shot in Atlanta because they wanted a, an urban setting. They felt it was very important to the narrative of the film. It works, uh, you, the show, not the film. <laughs> um, I never get to correct Mike. I get really happy when I get to correct <laughs> Mike. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, a very, um, it's a very timely series, and there's definitely yeah. a lot to, to talk about with it. Um, they, they did a really great job on it, and we'll dive into that a little bit more next week. Um, we'll also have a review of 12 Strong next week. So lots of fun stuff to look forward to. And uh, hopefully uh, Fazia will be as chill for, for uh, next week as she was for the second half of this podcast. Um, she's now asleep, in case anyone's wondering. Um, <laughs> right right when we're finished. I know. Every time just, when just we finish. Just on time. It's, it's, uh, if anyone has any tips on recording a podcast from your home while having a puppy, please let me know. I would really like to know um, how, to, how to better handle this. <laughs> um, <laughs> all of that being said, thank you guys so much for listening. Again, please um, leave comments, review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you are listening to us. Um, like us, share us, all that good fun stuff. Um, we'll be back next week. And my name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at Fanbolt.com. And I'm Matt Rodriguez, the Owner-in-Chief Editor of Shakefire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney with Last One to Lead a Theater.com and ATLCW.TV. And we'll talk to you guys next week. And hopefully we'll be sober because of that whiskey experience. <laughs> we should just do the podcast right after the whiskey experience. Ba-boom. We'll we'll talk more about that. (laughs) Talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.